Ritual, both exoteric and esoteric, serves a profoundly important purpose in our lives, whether we are consciously aware of it or not. Ritual in our daily lives helps to give a sense of order to life. It is also a vehicle for transmitting cultural or traditional knowledge or values. It serves to connect us with others, and it marks various passages or stages in our lives. Most of us participate in rituals every day. I invite you to think of any rituals you may participate in. Perhaps you perform certain rituals when you prepare for your day in the morning, before you eat, or when you get ready for bed at night. Ritual helps to give order to life. In fact, according to Eric Partridge's book, Origins, a short etymological dictionary of modern English, the root word rite is probably an extension of rye, which means number, hence order. Ritual can assist us in understanding the order or rules of life so we can live in harmony with them. A simple example of this function of ritual is the way in which we greet each other. In the West, this often includes the ritual of a handshake and looking the other person in the eyes. In our culture, this denotes trustworthiness. An extension of this is the military salute in which the hand is shown to be empty, originally signifying that the person saluting was unarmed and therefore worthy of trust. As anyone who has lived in a foreign culture can attest, reading rituals can vary greatly from country to country. In some cultures, a handshake is too forward or personal, especially between members of the opposite gender and looking someone directly in the eyes could be considered aggressive or impolite. Being familiar with rituals of this type helps people understand the rules of a particular culture. Judicial systems often include rituals that explicate the rules or order of the proceedings. A judge's robe, high seat, and the ritual used to declare that he or she has arrived and that court is now in session all support the underlying fact that the judge is in charge. The rules regarding what is about to happen are made clear through ritual. Ritual also transmits the values of a culture or tradition and its stories or mythology. Married rituals communicate values that a particular culture has accepted. In the West, most married rituals include symbolic references to fertility and a lifelong commitment. For example, throwing rice, or a modern version of this tradition such as throwing birdseed, and exchanging wedding rings. Jewish marriage ceremonies include the breaking of a glass, signifying that this agreement cannot be reversed. Western marriages are intended to last forever. In the Kingdom of Bhutan, their marriage ritual is very different. If a man and a woman decide they want to be married, the man climbs in the woman's bedroom window. They are then married. If they no longer wish to be married, the man leaves by the bedroom window. Then they are no longer married. Bhutan is a matrilineal society. Wealth is passed down through the women in their culture. If the marriage breaks up, the children and the means to support them remain with the mother. 
Many countries have rituals surrounding their Independence Day. Both subtly and more explicitly, the nation's values are communicated through these rituals. In the United States, the Fourth of July rituals, including military parades, fireworks, games, and family picnics, communicate Americans' values of freedom from foreign tyranny and despotism, as expressed in the Declaration of Independence, the pursuit of happiness, and individual rights. In some countries, Independence Day is not celebrated because the country does not enjoy independence, or because the culture does not value individual rights. Ritual also transmits our stories or myths. At Christmas time, Christians participate in rituals that retell the story of the birth of their Savior. Jews relive the story of their exodus from Egypt over three thousand years ago through the ritual Seder dinner at Passover. The meal includes, among other things, unleavened bread and bitter herbs. The unleavened bread to remind them of the exodus when their ancestors didn't have time to bake their bread, nor to allow the yeast to rise, and the bitter herbs to remind them of the bitter way in which their ancestors were treated when the Jews were slaves. Muslims perform their ritualistic Hajj, their pilgrimage to Mecca, to commemorate the test and trials experienced by the Prophet Abraham and his son Ishmael. In the vicinity of Mecca, upon arrival in Mecca, the pilgrims perform a series of ritual acts symbolic of the life of the Prophet Muhammad. Mircea Iliada, the historian of religions, suggested that the retelling of myth proves that it actually happened. Ritual also connects us with others, other individuals, our family. Community, tradition, etc. Family rituals such as birthday celebrations serve to keep families connected. The ritual of raising a nation's flag and singing the national anthem connects us with our fellow countrymen and women, and with those who came before. The ritualistic lighting of the Olympic flame connects people from around the world who gather together to compete in peace. Ritual also marks our rites of passage, the various stages we progress through in life, such as birth, graduation, marriage, death, etc. Our ancestors from around 13,000 BCE left us extraordinary clues to their rituals in the caves of France and Spain, including the Trois Frères Cave, named after the three brothers who found the cave in 1914. To enter the farthest reaches of the cave through the original opening, our ancestors would have had to crawl on their hands and knees, and eventually on their stomachs, through a passageway that in some places is barely a foot high, and just wide enough for narrow shoulders. This birth canal is widely believed to be an initiation chamber for young men, part of their puberty rites. The boy dies, the man is born. Of courage, imagine squeezing through this dark, tight passageway with other scared boys. Greeting them in the main chamber was the sorcerer or god, a figure of a man-animal with an antlered head, round eyes like an owl, a long beard, the tail of a wild horse, 
and the paws of a lion. It is believed that he was the steward of wild animals, especially those hunted by men. It is here the young men probably learned the rights of the hunt. Their encounter with the god prepared them to align with the thoughts of the animal, to honor the great spirit properly, and to respect the animal they were going to kill. The animal would then willingly feed the tribe, since his spirit would be respectfully returned to the great source. Joseph Campbell, the American mythologist, eloquently described one of the most moving rituals the Western world has experienced in modern history. The very solemn ritual that helped a grieving country and world cope with the death of U.S. President John F. Kennedy. In The Power of Myth, Campbell wrote, As I watched those burial rites unfold, certain extra thoughts went through my mind of somewhat broader reference in relation particularly to the symbolism of the gun carriage bearing the flag-draped coffin, drawn by seven clattering gray steeds with blackened hooves, another horse prancing slowly at their side, bearing an empty saddle with stirrups reversed, also with blackened hooves and conducted by a military groom. I saw before me, it seemed, the seven ghostly steeds of the gray lord death, here come to conduct the fallen hero youth on his last celestial journey, passing symbolically upward through the seven celestial spheres to the seat of eternity whence he had once descended. The steed with riderless saddle, stirrups reversed, prancing by the dead young warrior's side, would in the ancient days have been sacrificed, cremated along with the body of its master in a mighty pyre symbolic of the blazing golden sun door through which the passing hero soul would have gone to its seat in the everlasting hero hall of warrior dead. For again, Symbolically, such a steed represents the body and its life, the rider, its guiding consciousness. They are one, as are body and mind. As I watched that noble, riderless beast with its blackened hooves, I thought of the legend of the young Aryan prince, Gadama Shakyamuni's noble steed Kantaka, when its master, having renounced the world, rode away into the forest to become there the Buddha, the mount returned to the palace, riderless, and in sorrow expired. End quote. Rosicrucian ritual helps to facilitate communication with the master within and opens a channel or pathway for perceiving beyond our immediate environment. Rosicrucian ritual sets the conditions for this communication by creating a sacred space. This space, whether in a member's home or in a temple, 
is to be used only for esoteric purposes. This focus helps to raise the vibrations of the space to a higher frequency. Rosicrucians burn incense, which opens up certain psychic centers in our body. We intone vowel sounds also to open these centers, to create a pathway for communication with the master within, and to raise the vibrations of the space. We use the sanctum mirror to come face to face with our master within. Looking into our own eyes, there is no one to impress and no one to fool. The Shekinah of the temple, the place just above the altar in a Rosicrucian temple, serves as the gateway for communication with another plane and symbolizes the divine presence in the temple. Rosicrucian ritual creates the conditions for attuning with the invisible masters of the order and the members of our hierarchy around the world. Certain rituals, such as the Council of Solace Healing Meditation, connect Rosicrucians with those around the world who seek distant healing. As a philosophical and initiatic tradition, ritual plays an especially important role in connecting us with our tradition and history. Rosicrucian ritual provides the framework for the presentation of our lore and for the symbolism that speaks to our other ways of perceiving. Symbolism and allegory are key elements in Rosicrucian rituals. Of course, there is the intellectual learning of reading, understanding, and applying the Rosicrucian lessons. However, there are also more subtle techniques for imparting knowledge. For example, the chaplain presents the Rosicrucian cosmogony in the Lodge and Chapter Convocation rituals when he describes the genesis and development of the universe as the cologne lights the candles on the Shekinah. Our reflection in the sanctum mirror symbolizes our soul's reflection of the cosmic. Rosicrucians snuff out candles during our rituals rather than blow them out. The symbolism of this act is explained in our monographs. Officers serve as archetypal representatives in Rosicrucian rituals. In members' home sanctums, the master's voice represents our own master within, who is ever-present. In affiliated body rituals, members serve as representatives of the archetypal roles. For example, during initiations, the conductor serves as the guide and protector as candidates travel the path seeking knowledge. The cologne is the symbol of our conscience. Rosicrucian rituals present objective demonstrations of natural laws and serve to set them into motion. When Rosicrucians practice the morning rituals of deep breathing and water magnetizing, we support natural laws that manifest in our lives as health. Certain Rosicrucian rituals throughout the year bring to our awareness natural laws connected with the cycles of life, such as the summer solstice ritual that takes place when the sun is at its zenith, and the spring equinox ritual that celebrates the coming of spring and the renewal of life. 
When Rosicrucians square the corners of a temple or inner sanctum, walking intently at right angles rather than just wandering through our sacred space, we bring to our awareness cosmic order and support it with our actions. In ancient Egypt, the goddess Mat personified this order, as well as truth and harmony, without which they believed all of creation would perish. Ritual work in the temples and even everyday activities in ancient Egypt were performed with deliberate actions, right actions, if you will, intended to support this natural law. Two very important aspects of ritual are attention and intention. When we enter a ritualistic setting, it is usually foreign from our everyday life. The sights, smells, actions, the feel of the place are all different from what we are accustomed to in the mundane world. This heightens our awareness. We are more attentive to what is happening around us and within us. We focus on the words being spoken, the actions being taken, inner messages and feelings, etc. We also come to Rosicrucian ritual with an intention. We intend to communicate with the Master within, with the cosmic, etc. We are not ambivalent. We have no other priorities. We mean for this to happen. This is why we keep our sacred spaces protected used only for the purposes of ritual, Rosicrucian study, and meditation. There are no distractions, and the conditions are developed for this attunement with every study period or convocation. I believe most humans feel a longing for ritual in their lives, at least to some degree, a need for the psychological comfort of feeling a part of something greater than ourselves, such as our community or our tradition, of transmitting knowledge from generation to generation, and of rites of passage that acknowledge significant transformations in our lives. I believe most people also have an innate need for more esoteric rituals, the kind that open a channel or pathway for perceiving beyond our immediate environment that facilitate communication with the Master within, that connect us with our traditions that have endured over the centuries and millennia, with other beings and with the great mystery of the universe, and that help to create and maintain a sense of order in our lives and harmony within the universe. Thank you.